COVID-19 has disrupted just about everything, including thousands of wishes planned for children by the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Roller coaster rides and celebrity meetups must wait. But Make-A-Wish Foundation CEO Richard Davis has refused to put the good times on hold, launching new approaches and garnering virtual messages from the likes of Oprah Winfrey and Justin Bieber. After a decade as CEO at U.S. Bancorp, Davis has been forced to rethink one of the nation's most celebrated philanthropies on the 40th anniversary of the first wish it ever granted. In this episode of Influencers, Davis joins me to talk about why he chose to lead Make-A-Wish, all the creative ways it's still granting wishes, and why Warren Buffett embodies everything that they stand for. Welcome to Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer, and welcome to our guest, Richard Davis, CEO of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. On the 40th anniversary since the first wish was granted by that organization, Richard's also the former CEO of U.S. Bancorp. Richard, great to see you. Thank you, Andy. Happy to be here and excited to be part of this conversation. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about the organization. I think most people probably understand what you do, but can you talk to us about how it all works? Do you have a foundation? Do you raise money? Tell us about the mechanics. I'd love to, thank you for that. Um, Because it's actually not fully understood as I joined the organization almost two years ago. It was one of my first questions too. And it's a foundation which raises money to help critically ill children get through the most difficult time in their life when they're dealing with the circumstances that might have brought them some physical malady. It could be cancer, it could be some form of a very significant physical ailment that causes them to be in critically ill status. Doesn't mean that they're fatal, and some of the children don't live past childhood. Some seven out of 10 do live to adulthood. So this is an organization that surrounds these kids, these families, this community, with the love and support that comes along with a wish. And the doctors will tell you again and again that in addition to the medicines that help these children stay alive and to recover, the incidence of a wish and bringing hope into their life at exactly the right time is just as important. Okay. And so how is the organization run financially? How do you raise money? Right. So the organization is a federated network of 60 chapters across the United States. I manage the national office, which is the place where all of the support financial support, technology support, brand support occurs. We raise money through all 60 chapters, Andy, and the national office at the same time. We raise money through a number of ways with three primary approaches. One is through the direct mail, the digital media, or direct TV, that which you would see those givers who give every single day in some routine manner. We have earnings of revenue from our corporate sponsors, our supporters like Macy's and Southwest Airlines and Topgolf, and those organizations that have found a love for a chapter and for organizations. And then we do it through major gifts. People like you or people like me that would decide this is what my life should stand for and I want some of my financial good wealth to go to something that's important. So between gifts, corporate support and individual donors, we raise about $400 million a year and we grant about 16,000 wishes a year. But some of your wishes would be um, gifts 
essentially themselves, like a celebrity would say, I'd like to get involved with your organization. And if some kid wants to meet me, I'd love to yeah. do that. Right. And by, and by the way, we may do that. Uh, yeah. So that's the wish granting side. So a wish a child can wish for whatever they want. And the wish can be as broad as you can make it. Um, we've had children meet the Pope routinely. They can go to the Galapagos. They can go to the Super Bowl. One in two children pick some form of a Disney location to attend because it's a place that they want to celebrate whatever childhood comes back to them or by going to Disney World or Disneyland or Euro Disney or the Alani Hotel. But each of those allow a child to have a choice to pick something they want to be, something they want to see, someone they want to meet, somewhere that they want to go. And now the newest wishes are coming from a more provocative set of children who want to give back and they want to be part of the blessings they have to give to other children who are dealing with critical illness. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I want to get back to that point. Yeah. But you have you must have so many requests. And talk to us about how uh, you decide who gets these wishes, how many kids apply every year and, and how that all works. Too. Great point. So we have a medical community across the country that are well-trained to understand what criteria would qualify a child for a wish. And there are different certain situations that allow them to be qualified. So Make-A-Wish isn't necessarily a place for a child in a car accident or a child with a form of, say, autism. But it is a place for a child with cystic fibrosis or leukemia or blastoma or something that's either come to them when they were born or come to them somewhere in their childhood. That medical community is the doorway in. So your physician for your child will say, you know what, in addition to all the therapies we're going to put this child through, Make-A-Wish is going to be one of the most important ones. Let me introduce them to the chapter located closest to them somewhere in America. And the chapter meets Little Richard. We're met by the family. And I go to, let's say, the main chapter. And the main chapter introduces themselves to me and my family. They bring me in, or in this case, they do a virtual call. And they say, Little Ricky, what do you want? What is it you would like? And the child needs to be two and a half to 18 years old, Andy. So it can be a long spectrum of childhood. And then the child won't always say what they want. We go into wish discovery, where our professional volunteers and our trained staff will spend time with the child and the family to decide what is it that will give them something so great to look forward to, something so exciting to anticipate, that it will succeed all of the other medicines and all of the pain that they may be going through. So they can look forward to it, they can live it, and they can look back on it. And so that wish discovery occurs in a matter of a couple of months once the physician has connected us to that child. So how many kids apply and how many wishes do you grant every year? Well, here's the good thing. They, all that apply through the medical community get a wish. Now, they might be declined because they don't have the proper qualifications, and that's done on the medical side. But when they come to us, we grant the wish. And it's about 16000 a year. So every 34 minutes somewhere in America, there's a child getting their wish granted. And this is very important because we are always in the form of finding new children, identifying the wish, granting the wish, and then finding more children. You must turn down some wishes. I mean, for instance, some kid says they want to go on SpaceX or something with uh, Elon Musk. Now, you picked the one that I was going to pick as well. We can't get you to Mars yet. Um, and there's a certain realistic nature of what is the right amount of time and or money to assess to one of 16,000 wishes. But for all intents and purposes, we actually don't turn you down. As I mentioned, we can get you to see the Pope. And if you want to go to SpaceX, we'll get you down to space camp. And they'll put on the amazing show that you would not normally get. And you will think you've been to Mars and back. So we can, if not do it, we can replicate it. We've had children attend the Super Bowl, attend the Olympics. 
Um, they come with a family member or with more than one family member. But with COVID now, we can't travel as far. So we're pivoting to a new world where children are wishing for things and moments that you can't necessarily get by traveling. Yeah, I want to talk about that as well. But again, just to, I don't want to make light of this, but if some kid says, I want 100 Cadillacs, do you sort of gently steer them and say, you know, let's think yeah. about that a little more? It's a great question. So what we would do is say, why do you want 100 Cadillacs? And he would have to describe, because I love Cadillacs. No, seriously. Yeah. Or I'm a big fan of General Motors. And if we find out, we keep pulling the string in, it takes hours, maybe days. And if the kid turns out that they just love Cadillacs, we will probably find a way to get 100 Cadillacs to parade by his front yard, probably in numeric order of either their age or uniqueness. And we will call on people all over, curators all over America who have Cadillacs, see if they want to be a part of this. So we can get pretty close to what you want. But if he says, I really love Cadillac product, I'm going to get you when the planes fly to General Motors, to their Cadillac production facility, and you're going to get the Royal Tour and probably your own set of model cars to take back along with all the photos that come along with it. What are some of the most uh, unusual things that uh, some kids have wished for? I mean, you've talked about some of them. Yeah, so my favorite wish, which you didn't ask, is the simple one. A girl the other day who wanted a guitar, a blue guitar, because she wants to be a folk singer and her favorite folk singer, where she's located somewhere in the state of Tennessee, has a blue guitar. And so when we found out it wasn't just any guitar, we could connect with that folk singer, find out what the guitar is like, recreate the guitar, present it by the folk singer presenting it to the child, and all the things that weren't anticipated when the ask was made, but simple and not extravagant. But other children will think like they want to be mayor for a day. You've heard of Bat Kid, where the entire city of San Francisco created a Gotham-like situation where the city was under attack and the mayor brought the child together and the child helped call out the bat signal and everybody participated. And, and there's a in state of New Hampshire, there's every single police department in the state of New Hampshire will do a full police caravan for every wish child to take them from their home to the airport for the flight they're about to take as a celebration of calling out that this child is on the way to their wish. So there are amazing uniquenesses. Almost no two wishes are alike, but some are simple, some are complicated, but each is unique to that child. And each is as close to the very thing they wanted, if not greater than they expected. Richard, have you ever done any studies on the efficacy of this in terms of how it affects these children? I mean, obviously it's doing a world of good, but are there any, are there any ways yeah. to quantify it? It's a great question. So uh, just a couple of years ago, out of a children's hospital in Columbus, Ohio, we had a Dr. Patel did a study that started indicating that the incidence of a wish is as good as medicine. That in fact, all the, the inspiration and the anticipation that's created, not just a distraction, but a real medical healing part of it. Now, we don't have anything published. We don't have all of that to identify. If you're a technician and a scientist, Andy, and you only want to participate in Make-A-Wish, because you have to believe it's as good as medicine, I can't give you that guarantee. But if I connect you to any one of our 16,000 families a year, the child or their family or their siblings or their caregivers or their physicians, they will tell you in words that I cannot, it's more important than the medicine. It's the thing that got the child through the therapy. It's the thing they look forward to the most. It's a thing they look back on now as the best part of their life since the day they were told they had the problem. 
So we have evidence that's grander than science alone, but we have science too that says it's as good as medicine. Another measuring kind of question, Richard. Do you look at um, diversity and inclusion when it comes to these kids, how diverse your population is? We do. So we've measured our diverse population and we're very close to the communities we serve in terms of our children looking like the communities we're in. But wait for it. I can't guarantee you in this environment that the Make-A-Wish promise is available to every child everywhere in America equally. And that's what we're striving, straight, saving off to do now in the new post-racial injustice world. We believe we should be available to every single child in America, and we're going to make that happen in the next few years by proving it. And the reason I say this, Andy, is because in large cities, the medical community we rely on are primarily in hospitals, hospitals you and I have even heard of, but large hospitals. And they have the foundation and they have the architecture and the knowledge. But I can't guarantee you that a child in a small, small town in rural America that is served by only clinics, that the medical community in that clinic has been exposed enough to make a wishes promise to introduce that to the child. And so our new promise is to not only stave off to make that happen, because I believe we're doing a good job, but to prove that we're doing that, because we need to make sure that we stand for every child and every child that needs us deserves that Make-A-Wish promise. Richard, I want to expand on something that you touched on a little bit earlier, and that is the new reality of COVID and yeah. that you're constrained, but maybe that it pushes your thinking in new directions that might be equally rewarding. How has that played out? Thank you, Andy. That's exactly what we've been doing. I call it pivoting to a new future. Do you remember when you were a kid, there was the genie and the genie gave you three wishes? Well, we've introduced that post COVID. And so now a child, say a little Richard, would be asked to pick three things he would like to have as his wishes. And one of them cannot be travel related or going to a large destination where a lot of people are gathered. One of them needs to be something that we can get to more assuredly. Now, I will say this, if it's not his first choice, we're gonna do our level best to wait it out and see if we can get you back on an airplane and get you into a museum park or to a big professional game. But we're not gonna hold it forever because part of the value and the magic of the wish is it occurs in the period of time that the child is going through their therapies. So if he says, I wanna to go to the Galapagos, I want to um, go to Disney World, or I'd like to be mayor for a day. Then we're going to hold on to those in order. But if a year from now, we're still not getting our more fragile children on airplanes because we're going to be very protective of them. And if a year from now, we're not going to a large destination where they can be safe with a lot of other people, then we're going to work on mayor for a day. And we're going to make that the biggest thing you've ever seen because that's something that he wanted. So pre-COVID, it was one wish. Anything goes, we'll figure it out. Post-COVID is three wishes. We're going to get to the one that we can deliver in a timely period, never to let the child down from having gotten one of the wishes they wanted. It also means, wait for this, of the 16,000 wishes a year, almost 90% relied on air travel and or to a destination of large people. 90% of our wishes evaporated in March. And so we're putting those old wishes on hold and telling the kids that we're just waiting it out and give them what we call messages of hope to keep them inspired. But the next new wishes, we're going to this three wish approach. And the reason this matters is because we wanna make sure that the wishes continue to be granted and make a wish continues to be relevant in this period of time when it looks like things are so much on hold. All that to say, 
is we will eventually come back to the world where we can fly and go to large destinations. But in the meantime, guess what my number one wishes are? Campers, pools, room remodels, tree houses, and things that don't require travel, but require more of an asset into my life, something to make my life more productive and give me something I've always wanted. And so we're pivoting, as I said, to a new way of doing wishes. And honestly, as COVID will for many of us, we'll learn a whole new better practice. And then when the world comes back to whatever normal is, we'll be twice the organization we were before we started. What about doing this though? Uh, a Skype or a Zoom? And, and I know for instance, Justin Bieber has been very active with you guys. Would that satisfy a kid to say, I wanna meet Justin Bieber and you say, great, he's gonna be on Skype with you. Does that work? Yeah, the answer is yes. And it's as if we choreographed this because when we first had to ask children to pivot their wish from backstage meeting Justin Bieber to being brought up on the stage to meet Justin Bieber to meeting him on a video conference, we, the adults, all thought, what a shame it is that they're not gonna be able to get the concert that they wanted. Well, within a week, we had people like DJ Khaled and Justin Bieber and Chris Evans and Oprah, and they did videos with our children. And I'll just go on to say that the videos were as remarkable as anything I've seen since I've been here. The selfless, thoughtful, sweet nature of the celebrities is unparalleled. They were each requested to spend a few minutes with the child. I can't remember one going less than a half an hour. I remember one going an hour and 40 minutes. And the celebrity is welcoming them into their life, showing them around their house, taking them out to their garden. I remember one of the chefs showing them where they get their all of their food for their shows that they produce, giving them their personal contact information, and still often the case promising to see them someday in the future when they're well enough and when we're back to normal. And the children from their uh, lips to my ears would say things like, this was so much better than the wish I thought because I get to capture this for a lifetime and I actually know this person and they care about me. It wasn't just a quick, by the way, Andy, here's Richard and he's gonna take a quick picture with you. You got to know me and you care about me and in many cases you stay in touch with me. So by amazing proportions, there are things that we thought would be a disappointing second approach that had become a primary best practice. Fascinating. I know. And uplifting too. Let me ask you about, speaking of uplifting, about kids that want to give back. I mean, it's almost hard to comprehend that someone with a terminal disease who yes. a child thinks that way, but you say that's the case. Yeah. So um, I'm going to say, first of all, our wish kids are old souls. And I'm sure there's a study one day, if, if when your childhood is taken from you at an early age, do you become an old soul or are you just disposed to handle stuff like this so well? These are amazing children. Their fortitude, their optimism, greater than anything you and I have ever practiced. And so they bring this into the discussion. And then these children are now, especially if they're probably 10 years old or older, there's that phrase, by the grace of God, there go they, or there go I. And these children are thinking, I don't want other kids to have to suffer what I'm suffering. And so I want to give back. Cases where a child will go back into the hospital and want to endow game systems for all the kids in the wing that will ever be in that wing where he or she spent so many months because a game system would help distract them. Or in the case of our young woman, Karina, from uh, the Sacramento area, who just the other day was our celebrated 500,000th wish, 
her wish was to create Camp Karina, a full day of experiences where all the kids dealing with Make-A-Wish could come in and have a fun day where they could learn to dance and learn to sing and learn to draw and to get their mind off of what they're dealing with. So these children are selfless. But even if they're seven and they just want to go meet Mickey Mouse, their presence around others, their inspired view of just unbridled happiness and optimism is a testament to children everywhere. And we all feel bad for them. And yet they don't feel bad for themselves. They feel blessed and they feel honored. And they're quite often the best ambassadors for what childhood can be. And when it's stolen from them, part of make wish is to give it back a piece of them so that they have that. And in many cases, they'll be adults and they'll tell you later in life, Andy, I'm 35 years old. My wish was 20 years ago and I was 15. And at this very minute in this day of my life, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm in part here because of it. And you can't testify to anything more powerful than that. Your organization is very high profile. And, and I read that, for instance, we were talking about a genie and making a wish that uh, the onion said you you ran out of wishes because someone wanted a wish for infinite amount of wish, wishes and you had to correct that, right? Right. That's the one wish we probably say we can't do. So I was going to say that when you asked earlier. The one wish is you can't have infinite number of more wishes. And that's because to say that everything else will figure it out. And it's just the fact that we want you to pick something that will make, make you feel good and in many cases make you remember it for the rest of your life. And you, you got rid of uh, hunting and fishing a number of years ago for, for reasons, right? Yeah, you know, so we're not a political organization. We don't lobby, but we're also good parents. And I think we do feel like we're a parent of the children. And even sometimes when the family may want something that sounds remarkable, but it isn't safe. We simply will stand in and be the governor that will make sure that that's not going to be risk-taking. If we give you a boat as your gift, uh, uh, you know, a, a sea vessel, it can only go a certain speed because we're not trying to give you a speed boat. We want to give you a boat based on whatever that is as part of your wish. So I would say very rarely do we call on for being the heavies, but we're very happy to be the parent's parent in case we need to make sure that everything is safe and proper. I think about this. We were taking our kids off of planes before the last plane flew. And we took our kids out of large gatherings before the last large gathering happened. And we'll probably delay ourselves coming back because our children deserve us to protect them from anything that could otherwise hurt them. The last thing we want is for a child to get sick on a wish. So we're being very, very careful about how fast we can reemerge and get these kids back to those, some form of of normal travel. And we're working with the airlines who are amazing partners. We're working with folks like the NFL and Disney who are amazing partners to figure out how to reemerge because each child's situation is not the same. Each circumstance is not the same and we're not gonna treat any two the same way. And getting back to that hunting and fishing point, my understanding is there are organizations that do that if you like, if that's something you'd wanna pursue. I think that's right. With your kid. So let's ask, uh, about your situation, Richard. Sure. I mean, you were a banker. You were the CEO of U.S. Bank Corp. I mean, isn't that like a complete binary switch? You were like this, you know, banker guy trying to get all the money, and now you're giving back. I mean, was that something? Did it yeah. sort of happen like that, or are they connected anyway? They're totally connected, but I, I appreciate that opportunity. So, you know, a banker in the old days, and you go back to the Bonanza days. The banker was always a center of the community. It really was. There was a saloon, there was a jail, there was a general store, there was a school, there was always a bank. 
And not kidding, the bank was always the center of the community. And even in the days up until I retired a couple of years ago, the banks are still relied on as that trusted force to move things in and forward in a community. My whole career I spent on boards of not-for-profits, sending money toward organizations in our communities to give back because that was the fabric. I just knew that. I became CEO at 48. I also had a belief that was, I, I practiced that 10 years max to run anything. I don't think anyone should be running anything more than 10 years. I don't have a founder's dilemma. So I knew that at the end of my 50s, I would be hopefully at the end of a great career of a great bank. And I always promised I would do one of those not-for-profit items and lean all the way in and not just be on the board, but be a part of its mission. And I left and retired with an open canvas. I'm very faithful, so I believe the right thing would come along. And through a very short period of time, Make-A-Wish shows up. I was smitten. I was lucky enough to work in an organization, wasn't afraid of a for-profit banker dude coming in. They embraced my willingness to want to learn and wanting to pivot. And at the end of the day, with no apologies, you know, philanthropy is business. It's just that the mission is to give it back, but it's still business. And so I need to run an organization where I ask people to support us, ask them to fund us, ask them to volunteer for us. In this case, the shareholders are the children and their families and their lives. And who doesn't want to be part of something that powerful? But business does meet philanthropy. They're not as often as you think, as long as you can put the mission back in to the, to the reasons that people get involved and then celebrate it and keep letting them know how powerful that is. Richard, I know that uh, Warren Buffett bought your stock when you were CEO and you had some conversations with him. What makes Warren Buffett so special? Wow. So he was one of my largest shareholders and Andy, the entire time that I was CEO. What makes him special is two things. I want to. One is keep it simple. This guy is so brilliant. And, you know, if you want to do it the hard way, keep it simple. It's hard to keep complicated things simple. And he taught me that. We always did that with the bank, as complicated as it could be. I'm trying to do that with Make-A-Wish, which is to keep running down to its core elements. The other thing about Warren Buffett is loyalty. Um, he was loyal, not to a fault, because we earned it. But he was loyal, and he knew why he liked the bank. He, he did his homework. He interviewed me for things not like financial prowess, but character and ethics and long-term commitments. And a guy like Warren Buffett embodies everything that Make-A-Wish does, giving back and doing it for a lifetime with intent. And so I learned a lot of things from him, but both in the for-profit world, I can translate all those to the not-profit world because loyalty matters and so does long-term views of things because you do smarter decisions when you think about the long view. Has any kid wanted to meet Warren Buffett yet? Yes, and they have before. And not for a million dollars or whatever that typical auction has been created over the years. Warren Buffett is a very supportive member of our Make-A-Wish, as are a number of our celebrities. You didn't ask this, but I want to want to shout this out as well. You mentioned one celebrity. We have others. John Cena is over six, almost 700 wishes now, independent, 700 independent moments. But, and he didn't ask for this. I just took the liberty there. You never hear about it because they don't seek attribution. It's the most genuine form of philanthropy. They just do it because they know it's right. And rarely does a celebrity say no to Make-A-Wish. In fact, I always ask to my team, don't tell me when someone says no because I don't want to know it. But everybody wants to help a critical child and everybody wants to be invited to participate. So let me permission to give you this quick story. WWE, 
is one of our most powerful wish granters. So these are these huge, amazing superstars who you probably know. I'm going to say probably 800 wishes maybe a year. It's a lot of kids like WWE. So I had this opportunity to meet with a couple of the superstars. Sasha Banks is a woman who's a superstar. And Sasha was at a moment where we're introducing her to one of our wish kids. It was backstage, to keep it simple. And after that moment happened, the wish child was enamored and she couldn't have been more generous. I pulled her aside and I said, I'm the Make-A-Wish CEO. I was brand new at the job. And I, I actually pivoted in front of her. I got right in front of her. I said, look into my eyes, Sasha. She did. And I said, you're changing lives. And this is the most noble thing you'll ever do. And I just hope you realize you just changed his life and everybody's standing around watching. She grabs my shoulders with her strength, stands me right in front of her, says, look into my eyes. And I said, I am. And she said, one day when I had my first wish request, I woke up and before the day was over, I found out there's a child on earth who can pick for anything they want in the entire world. And they picked meeting me. And she said, look into my eyes. The privilege is all mine. And I thought, wow, you're right. This is something that is quite remarkable. So if you're someone who gets asked to be a child's wish, can you think of anything you can be more proud of to your last breath than to have been made that kind of an impression on another person who at the time needs that spirit and that belief more than they're ever going to need it? And you're part of that. It's pretty cool. Last question, Richard. What do you hope to... Um, how do you hope to move the organization forward? What are your goals for Make-A-Wish? I'll tell you this, Andy. It was a year and a half ago. I was here for a few months, and we did a, a study of the American people's understanding of Make-A-Wish. And nearly half of the people still thought we were the charity for a dying child. And that's wonderful and lovely, but we're actually a charity for children with critical illnesses, some who may not succeed through childhood. That matters a lot, my first point, because... If you know us to be the philanthropy for dying children, you love us for it, but you're not sure how to get a, become a part of that. It's not as clear to you what your role can be. When I tell you that these children are all fighting a critical illness, and many of them will succeed and some won't, but your engagement with Make-A-Wish and being part of this is to change that outcome no matter what. Now I know as a person I can be part of this. The second thing is this. I had an interview on our 40th anniversary, which is April, right after COVID. It was going to be the grandest of days. We had a stock exchange. We were doing all kinds of events at Disney, doing all kinds of things everywhere across the globe. And of course, it was hijacked by COVID. But I still did interviews like this, and I said the following, and I'll say it here. We're not feeding people right now. We're not in the business of feeding people, and I know that's critical. And we're not creating jobs for people. I know that's critical in a COVID world. So how are we essential? Well, we're essential because the world right now needs more than anything hope. And Make-A-Wish is hope. That's what we introduce. And so unabashed, I say to people, get on our bandwagon. Love on not just the children, but love on the mission of a community surrounding children when they need the most to help them believe there's people around them that want them to do well. And the inspiration that comes from that is greater than anything you'll ever have. And I've never asked for money at Make-A-Wish. I only ask for permission to tell our story, learn about our journey, and see if you'd like to be a part of it. And that's been quite successful because the people who come to work every day at Make-A-Wish across the country deserve to believe that people around them want to be part of their story. They just don't know it yet. And so I believe we've got the best story not yet finished. And I want people to be part of that and excited. And you bring 
great respect in order to even an event like this, give me a few minutes to talk about it and letting us merge business with freelance because they actually are the same thing. Richard Davis, CEO of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Andy. Grateful. You've been watching Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Influencers. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Yahoo Finance on Twitter at Yahoo Finance and at Serwer.